Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together, verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along, and if not, no problem. We'll put it all together for you. So let's get started. Today we are in Ezekiel, and we are looking at Ezekiel chapter 7, and we up until now Uh, have been looking at Ezekiel acting out some uh, prophecies. He's been acting out uh, uh, the, the... the stages of the sieges of uh, the siege of Jerusalem back in chapter four to show the people what that was like. These are people who are now captive in Babylon. They've been there about five years. Uh, so he's showing them the things that that occurred that is causing God to put them there and God to judge them. And uh, in chapter 5, he was cutting his hair. And we sh- he was doing all kinds of things with his hair like we talked about to show the people uh, the hair was like them. And part of the hair got burned. Part of the hair got cut up by the sword. And part of the hair gets cast into the wind, just like the people of Jerusalem. And then uh, in chapter 6, uh, Ezekiel was talking about the judgment on the land. So now we come to chapter 7. And it's really interesting that now chapter 7 sort of crystallizes that the, the, the end has come. This is it. This is time for Jerusalem finally to now come to an end. Uh, the, you know, um, just as the people were carried away when the Babylonians invaded, uh, Jerusalem was still standing. Jerusalem is still a, sort of a functional city. There's a group of people that are still there, still present. But now, um, Isaiah is going to have a prophecy about the final judgment on Jerusalem. So let's jump right in. Chapter 7, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me. And you, O son of man, thus says the Lord God to the land of Israel. Okay, so now the Lord is speaking to the land of Israel. An end. The end is has come upon the four corners of the land. Now the end is upon you, and I will send my anger upon you. I will judge you according to your ways, and I will punish you for all your abominations. So this is a judgment. This is a judgment on the land. You ever heard the uh, old saying, the punishment fits the crime? Well, McGee was saying that this is kind of what this uh, feels like, you know, that the punishment now on the land of Israel will fit uh, the crimes that have occurred on this land, the abominations. This is God's land. This was God's promised land. This land was uh, a land um, for a people to live in a holy way. Uh, but the land has been defiled uh, by the abominations of the people. So he's talking about the land, uh, and sometimes that that word translates into the soil. You know, this is this is right down to the to the bare elements. Nothing is escaping God's judgment, and of course uh, the people. Uh, the the imagery here is against the people. So there's a this deep connection between the, the land and the people and the land and the actions of the people. So very, very strong imagery is going on here. Verse 4, and my eye will not spare you. So in other words, God sees 
everything that's been going on. Nor will I have pity, but I will punish you for your ways while your abominations are in your midst. Then you will know that I'm the Lord. So again, we have this picture of a just God, a holy God, who because he is just and holy, he cannot um, let wickedness stand. He cannot let evil stand. And so um, he has to punish, he will punish, and now punishment has come. This is a punishment that has to take place, and the reason for this punishment is so that the people, the remnant, the people that he has chosen, as he said, some he's going to elect to let live, those who are there are going to be able to, to see that he is God. This is the only thing he's got left because no one has believed the prophets. No one has believed the scriptures. And so now the wickedness is so rampant that the land itself, he had to get a lot of the people out of the land. Now he's going to punish the land itself and, of course, the people with it. Everything has to be cleansed. And the reason for this, interestingly enough, is so that they will know that he is that he is the Lord. Now, the other interesting thing here uh, is that this is speaking directly to us today, too. This is not popular scripture to read. As McGee was saying, it's a, it's it's really nice to to read scripture in the New Testament Testament. It's all lovey dovey stuff, you know. God so loved the world and all that kind of stuff. But on the other hand, this is just as relevant that this God is a God that has to judge sin. And um, this sin cannot stand in his presence. And so um, God still is um, um, holy, and he will come back to judge. It's not all lovey-dovey stuff. So we have to understand that, and it's speaking to us today that we have to we have to soberly uh, understand that, and to soberly uh, live out our lives with reverence um, and fear of the Lord's wrath, um, and just being thankful that we have His grace, because uh, our sin would not let us be in His presence in any other way without the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how bad we are. Sometimes we take for granted how holy he is and how lowly we are. Yeah, he's lowly, he's holy, and we're lowly. And so, verse 5, thus says the Lord, disaster after disaster, behold, it comes, and end has come. The end has come, it is awakened against you. Behold, it comes, your doom has come to you. O inhabitant of the land, the time has come, the day is near, a day of tumult and not of joyful shouting on the mountains. Now I will soon pour out my wrath upon you and spend my anger against you and judge you according to your ways and I will punish you for all your abominations. Again, the punishment will fit the crime. Verse 9, in my eye will not spare, nor will I have pity. I will punish you according to your ways while your abominations are in your midst. Then you will know that I am the Lord who strikes. So God again doubles back and says this is happening. Verse 10, behold the day, behold it comes, your doom has come, the rod has blossomed. Now this is interesting. These are characteristics of the society that they were living in. Let's look at this with an eye towards our societies today. A lot of this stuff that is in our societies today was in their society. And the the relevant thing here is that God can judge our world, our societies, just like he's judging um, Jerusalem. And I think a lot of times, as we've seen through the Old Testament, all the punishment that the nation of Israel has to go through is serving a purpose of God because it serves as an example to all of these nations that have come after um, Israel. God is 
punishing his nation, not only to make these people holy, but to show us so that all may see that you will know that I am the Lord. Even today, we look at this punishment of Jerusalem. We look at this punishment of the nation Israel and go, why? You know, this nation has been uh, I think I think I read that Jerusalem is the only like city in the whole world. It's been burned like 25 times. It's been conquered and burned more than any other um, city. And, uh, you know, but it's still there. It's still a modern city today, but it's not the powerful nation that it was. It's not the city that it was. It's like a divided city. You know, even the holy temple sites are you've got several different religious groups holding on to different parts of the property. You know, God has judged it and it's never recovered from that even to this day. And it won't recover until the Lord returns. So um Let's take a look at verse 10. Behold the day, behold it comes, your doom has come. The rod has blossomed. In other words, now everything that, you know, all the wickedness, all of these things have come into full fruition, and now the punishment is blossomed. It's ready to be carried out. Pride has budded, okay? So the pride is in full view. Violence has grown up into a rod of wickedness, okay? So the violence, this, this area was violent. There was crime. There was outright wickedness. And this is supposed to be in the holy city of Jerusalem, okay? Well, maybe that sounds like some of our cities today. None of them shall remain, nor their abundance, okay? A lot of times our cities and our, our society worships abundance. They worship material wealth. It says, nor their wealth, neither shall there be preeminence among them. These are things that our society just treasures. Wealth, abundance, preeminence, you know, like who's got the best status the time has come, verse 12, the day has arrived. Let not the buyer rejoice, nor the seller mourn. For wrath is upon all their multitude. Buyers and sellers, people in the market, people think, oh, it's so great to buy things or get or sell things or, you know, the, the economy. A lot of people place their faith in the economy, you know, or possessions, or it's so cool to, to go out and, and see all the things that you can buy. And it displaces your heart from honoring God. And it starts honoring, you start honoring yourself with all the things you want to buy. For the seller shall not return to what he has sold while they live. For the vision concerns all their multitude. It shall not turn back. And because of his iniquity, none can maintain his life. Okay? So the iniquities, the sin in people's lives... Um, even, you know, the buyers and the sellers, a lot of times people were, um, dishonest in what they sold and they were, um, in terms of what they were buying, you know, a lot of times they're buying things not really to honor God with it. So buyers and sellers weren't doing their parts with pure motives either, Look how upset Jesus got when he got to the temple and people at the temple were buying and selling like a free market right there at the temple. And they were unjust in their ways as well. They have iniquities. So God really had a lot of wrath on these people here in Ezekiel. And even when the Lord Jesus came into the temple and he saw the unjust buying and selling of things his wrath was on that temple just the same. Verse 14, They have blown the trumpet and made everything ready, but none goes to battle, for my wrath is upon all their multitude. And now McGee was pointing out that he says none goes to battle. None is uh, very uh, firm in their faith. 
you know, and it's it's interesting that, you know, McGee says they're all pacifists. They're all protesters. None of them want to fight for what they believe in. And um, whether it's a metaphorical battle, like, you know, to defend the city of Jerusalem, maybe one of the reasons that the, the city fell was because a lot of the people didn't fight. You know, some of the people had to fight, but it's always a terrible feeling to go fight knowing that a lot of other people aren't going to fight and you're out there going, you know, you know, you're being sent out to fight, like almost sent to your own execution because the other army's bigger. A lot of times that happens. But uh, a lot of times, you know, we see like Paul's letters, like fighting the good fight. That's the good fight of the gospel, the faith, and, and we're supposed to stand our ground and put on the armor of Christ. There's that metaphor that we're like good soldiers in that metaphor to do God's will. Not that we're out supposed to fight, but it's a metaphor of it. It's the battle against sin. It's the fight, a good fight against sin and against wickedness and against pride. And it's that, that battle for our own souls that's the good fight. And God wants us, through Paul's letters, wants us to stand our ground. And then the Word of God is our sword. The Holy Word of God is what is we are in a battle against sin. That's the fight. And it's a battle to the death, whether you're in that battle or not, whether you want to go to battle or not. But it's the battle for your own soul. So the trumpet was blown, but none goes to battle. None stands up for their faith. None stands up for the Word of God. So on the day of the battle, on the day of the sin, sin wins. And that's why the nation was in wickedness. Verse 19, they cast their silver into the streets and their gold is like an unclean thing. Their silver and gold are not able to deliver them in the day of wrath of the Lord. They cannot satisfy the anger or fill their stomachs with it, for it was a stumbling block of their iniquity. In other words, the wealth got in the way of their faith and their trust in the Lord. They put their faith in their wealth. For it was their stumbling block of their iniquity. Verse 20, His beautiful ornament they used for pride, and they made their abominable images and their detestable things of it. Therefore, so they used their wealth for stuff that pleased their eyes. Therefore, I make it an unclean thing to them, and I will give it into the hands of foreigners for prey, and to the wicked of the earth for spoil, and they shall profane it. And I will turn my face from them, and they shall profane my treasured place. Robbers shall enter it and profane it. And it's, it's almost like now he's talking about the city of Jerusalem, and he's, it's almost like he's talking about the temple. They're going to enter the temple and spoil it and profane it. And it's going to be this holy temple. Remember, like there's supposed to be a place where just the holy of holies and only special people could go there. And it has to be a you know, special ceremonial place because God was dwelling there. The presence of God is, has left this area. And now he's letting, he's going to have foreigners come in and defile the temple spoil it, and he says, I will turn my face from them, and they shall profane my treasured place. Robbers shall enter it and profane it. In other words, people are going to be coming in and just desecrate the place and loot it. Verse 23, Forge a chain, for the land is full of bloody crimes, and the city is full of violence. I will bring the worst of the nations to take possessions of their houses. I will put an end to the pride of the strong. And their holy places shall be profaned. And um, we drop down to the end of verse 27. According to their way, I will do to them. And according to their judgments, I will judge them. And they shall know that I am the Lord. Again, the reason for all this is so that the people will know that the Lord is God. They shall know that I am the Lord.
It's instructional. It's for sure tough love. But the only way some of these people will be saved and the only way going forward for this nation is for some of these people to realize that He is the Lord. And none of their possessions came to them except through God's blessing. None of their food came to them except through God's blessing. None of their security as a people or as citizens or as even a nation came to them except God's blessing, God's presence. And when God leaves, when God's presence leaves, God is showing them what it's like to have His presence not with them. It is pure violence, pure wickedness, famine, because there's no blessing of food, no blessing of security in any of the things that they thought they were worshiping, like their money, their wealth, their pride, their preeminence, is just worthless rubbish in the streets. And this is God pretty much ripping away all His contacts with this nation, this society, just to show how bleak things are without His presence, so that they would know He is the Lord. And that is a strong message for us today. You think you can live a life without the Lord? Think again. The only reason that people have this folly, this foolish thinking, is God has not removed His presence. But the thought that He can't judge our nation or any other nations today is crazy foolish thinking because he's showing you he can right here. These people who think God's all lovey-dovey haven't read Ezekiel. They have to understand. And McGee says Ezekiel is, is, um, is tame compared to what's coming in Revelation. So chapter 8, we'll start a different section. Uh, We're getting another big vision here. In the sixth year, in the sixth month, on the fifth day of the month, this is verse 1, as I sat in my house with the elders of Judah sitting before me, he's just sitting around, the hand of the Lord God fell upon me. Fell upon me there. Then I looked, and behold, a form that had the appearance of a man. Below what appeared to be his waist was fire, and above his waist was something like the appearance of of brightness, like gleaming metal. He put out the form of a hand. So he's he's trying to describe what it is, but he can't really describe it. It, It's just best he can. It's like the form of a hand. And took me by a lock of my head. So... Remember about a year ago, he had shaved his head and did all those things with his hair, but now it looks like his hair's grown out some. So he took by a lock of his, a lock of my hair of his head, and the Spirit lifted me up between the earth and heaven, and so somewhere between earth and heaven, and brought me in visions of God to Jerusalem, to the entrance of the gateway of the inner court that faces north. This is a very specific part of Jerusalem where there was a seat of the image of jealousy. So in other words, there's a seat there and he's looking now at the temple, okay? And there's an image of jealousy which provokes to jealousy. And behold, the glory of the God of Israel was there like the vision that I saw in the valley. So he's looking apparently at uh, the temple, at this uh, entrance of the gateway of the inner court that faces north. And uh, so it's not any more specific than that, but there is an image there of, um, there's an image of something that um, is probably maybe a false image or a false idol Something like that that is disgraceful um, to the to honoring God. So 
here we are, a very powerful, um, a very powerful vision here. This is this in the the image of um, of the glory of God appears again. He's not seeing God like we said earlier, but this is the image of the glory of God uh, of Israel. So it's that same consistent image that he saw in the at the Kebar Valley. So this is his second major um, vision here. And uh, another powerful thing for Ezekiel. So Ezekiel is a very visual uh, book so far. So this is where we stop today. We'll continue this time tomorrow. Um, So for me to all of you, God bless you. I'll see you next time. Keep your heart centered on Christ. And now I'll turn the rest of the podcast over to my co-host in Zambia. Batalia, I hope you're doing great. And I hope you're really uh, getting as much out of this as I am. This is a fascinating study. Uh, for me so far and very, very instructional for us today. God bless you all. I'll see you next time. Hello. So today's teaching is coming from Ezekiel chapter 7, beginning at verse 1 all the way to chapter 8, verse 1 to verse 4. So here we have seen the judgments now and um, it's not just confined to Jerusalem but to all the land from chapter 6 the whole land was now in view so like from chapter 1 to chapter 5 it was just confined to Jerusalem but now it's confined to the whole nation um, of Israel so you know the two messages are given and both messages open with the word of the Lord came unto me so he is passing on what God was saying. So it's not Ezekiel's words and it's not his hopes. It's not his fears. It's what the Lord is actually saying to him. You know, the second message before it was that judgment was coming upon the land and the people because the land and the nation of Israel, are, you know, they're always considered together in God's word. So if God is talking about the nation Israel and judging it and punishing the nation Israel, he is also talking about the land as well. So the second message before it was uh, that of judgment was, you know, was coming upon that particular land and the people, you know, another element has now been added to it and it's expressed in verse 12 of um, Ezekiel, Ezekiel, sorry, chapter 7 and it reads, the time has come, the day draws near. So now judgment is upon them. So this is the prophecy of the final destruction of the land and Jerusalem. So the land, the nation, Jerusalem, not just Jerusalem, but the land as well. Um, It was that land is desolate um, as we speak today. So the final deportation will take place and the city of Jerusalem will be destroyed. So. I begin reading scripture from verse 1. It says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, And you, son of man, thus says the Lord God to the land of Israel. And end, the end has come upon the four corners of the land. Now the end has come upon you, and I will send my anger against you. I will judge you according to the, your ways, and I will repay you for all your abominations. So God says, I'm going to judge you according to your ways. So in this particular case, the punishment will fit the crime. So God is judging these people for a reason because there's something wrong with them. He is judging them because they have turned away from him. And he's judging them for their abomination. Here, scripture says, I will judge you according to your ways and I will repay you for all your abominations. That's why God is judging them. So, you know, as a child of God today, you know, don't be a professed witness of God when, you know, we're just, you know, when you're a fake, you know, you're phony, you're trying to live double standards, you're a lukewarm uh, Christian, you know, and, you know, you depart from the faith. So don't be a church member and you know not saved and this is what ezekiel is talking about here a child of god's responsibility is great because i mean we have received the message i have received the message so you know with light comes more responsibility you know with information comes more responsibility because you know we have heard god's word you know it's unlike those people who haven't heard god's word so this is why the punishment was greater for jerusalem 
you know, as compared, you know, like the punishment seemed harsher and greater for Jerusalem as, you know, compared to the other 10 tribes because they already saw what happened to the other 10 tribes, but they did not heed the warnings. So, you know, it's the same as these people. They they actually heard, yeah, they were hearing the the, <coughs> the warnings, but they did not heed. And, you know, he turned his back against them because they did not want to listen because um, they just went on upon their own ways. They were lukewarm Christians, you know, they, they were phony. They were like, you know, walking around, um, you know, pretending like uh, to be God's children, but they were phony and fake. And um, yeah, they were church members, but they were phony and fake. And this is the situation that we see today. You know, people go in church, cry, lift up their hands and just do all these things, but they are not saved. And, you know, at the end of the day, you're better off just being, um, you know, like living a life that God does not approve of than actually being phony and fake. Because that judgment, when the judgment of God comes, it's like it's coming with, you know, a full wrath. So scripture goes on to read, I'll begin at verse four. It says, my eye will not spare you, nor will I have pity, but I will repay your ways and your abominations will be in your midst. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. Verse 5, thus says the Lord God, a disaster, a singular disaster. Behold, it has come. Verse 6 goes on to read, an end has come. The end has come. It has dawned for you. Behold, it has come. Doom has come to you. You who dwell in the land, the time has come. A day of trouble is near and not of rejoicing um, in the mountains. Now upon you I will soon pour out my fury and spend my anger upon you. I will judge you according to your ways and I will repay you for all your abominations. The, my eye will not spare nor will I have pity. I will repay you according to your ways and your abominations will be in your midst then you sh you shall know that i am the lord who strikes so here you know very few people uh very few pastors ministers in churches deal with this section of god's word you know we all want to listen to john 14 and you know listen to like oh god is love and you know god will forgive us and you know our god is like good but people just don't deal with this judgment section of God's word. And it is there. I mean, if you live, um, you know, it's either you choose God or you don't. So if you don't choose God, which means you're not for God, you are against God. And, you know, this particular um, scripture just doesn't belong to the Old Testament. This particular message, it just doesn't belong in the Old Testament. Like, it's just not for the Old Testament. Like, oh, it's actually happened and it's like historical and all. No, this is God's judgment. He is saying, you know, he shall judge us according to our abominations. And this should be a warning today to the church of God. So God will judge. He will judge. He's a righteous God because God is holy and he demands righteousness. And today, um, people want to play church and act all nice and do God's work you know, sorry, sorry, and do good works, uh, but, you know, they still want to live in sin and not fully commit to Christ. And this is a problem with us Christians today. This is what's happening. You know, people want to live a certain life and then they want to actually, on Sundays, portray a different life because it makes them feel better about themselves. So they just want to play church. So we are not genuine today. You find, you, we have a lot of people who are not uh, genuine and this is what's hurting the cause of Christ today because you know you have a lot of phony Christians out there who are you know they just they think they're actually going to be saved by their good works like oh hey I did this I've been doing this I go to church every Sunday because I'm a nice person you cannot be saved based on just being nice you have to believe and you have to be obedient and you have to serve God that's the important thing and that's what a lot of us don't realize we think just by playing nice we're going to be saved so i read on scripture verse 10 goes on to read behold the day behold 
it has come. Doom has gone out. The rod has blossomed. Pride has budded. Violence has risen up into a rod of wickedness. None of them shall remain. None of their multitudes, none of them, nor shall there be wailing for them. The time has come. The day draws near. Let not the buyer rejoice, nor the seller mourn, for the wrath of their whole multitude. For the seller shall not return to what has been sold, though he may still be alive, for the vision concerns the whole multitude, and it shall not turn back, and no one will strengthen himself who lives in iniquity. They have blown, blown the trumpet and made everyone ready, but no one goes to battle for my wrath is on all their multitude. So here, <clears throat> you know, the character of these people were that of, um, you know, protesters and, you know, they, but they wouldn't go to war. So they were um, pacifists. So they refused to stand for what was right and they refused to stand for God. They totally rejected God. And the judgment came. So the enemy came and destroyed the city. And that was Babylon. And God permitted it. So men today, you know, we are pacifists just like these people. But, um, you know, we, we tend to believe, oh, hey, there'll be peace. There'll be peace. You know, we, we tend to spend so much money on peace programs and all. But there is no peace. So God said, as long as there is iniquity in man's ha- heart, there is no peace for the wicked. The wicked will find no peace. The wicked will find no rest. As long as this iniquity is in our hearts. And today we may spend so much money on trying to bring about peace in the world. But there will not be peace, peace because man's heart is wicked. Because there is iniquity in man's heart. Man tends to think I am better than this and this person. We are better than this and this country. And you know, as long as there is that iniquity, there will be no peace. Um, it's like you know, what is happening today, which is very sad. Like in our neighboring country, South Africa. You know, where you find... Um, you know, these South Africans are attacking foreigners and saying, you know, um, they're attacking them and killing them in broad daylight and they're attacking their businesses. And then they're saying, um, you know, these foreigners are out here and they're getting our jobs. We can't find employment uh, because these people feel entitled, like, and, and they feel that rage of, you know, trying to get that rage outwards to their fellow brothers and sisters out there. You know, there's just so much injustice and, um, and this, this is something that has been reoccurring and, um, you know, at this particular instance, it's just like um, escalated so much and so bad. And, you know, you have other countries retaliating with, um, you know, with, with, with violence as well. But violence never sorted out anything. You know, you can't repay violence with violence because you're not going to sort out anything. And this is what's happening. And it's just like a chain reaction because um, other countries are so upset because they're um, fellow country men and women are being, you know, killed in South Africa and they're retaliating in their countries as well, but that doesn't sort out anything. And, you know, this is a problem with men today. You know, you know, we now have, you know, that humanity, that's humane thing in us. You know, it's like, well, I'm watching like, you know, the, the national geographic channel where, you know, like, uh, lions are actually hunting for impalas or something. Uh, but these are human beings, you know, like somebody just gets an axe and hacks somebody else and just kills them and everybody else is just watching and no one does anything about it. And, you know, this is the wickedness of the world today, which is just sad. And, you know, today people are very hopeful and positive and think, and, you know, they say, oh, hey, you know, we shall have peace. There will be peace. There will be peace. But, you know, as long as there is iniquity, you know, um, there will be no peace. And God said, as long as there is iniquity in man's heart, there is no peace for the wicked. So I'll drop down to verse 19, which reads, They will throw their silver into the streets and their gold will be like refuse. Their silver and their gold will not be able to deliver them in the day of the wrath of the Lord. They will not satisfy their souls nor fill their stomachs because it became their stumbling block of iniquity. So today... You and I, you know, people around, we tend to feel money can actually solve all our problems. And people go on a quest to accumulate more and more wealth and in the hope that money will actually solve all their problems. And it will bring peace, but it can't. Money can't solve all the problems of life. And God is saying this to these people. You know, you've, 
you you know, it may have been a wealthy nation, you know, from the times of King Solomon when they amassed, you know, like, um, you know, all these precious gold and rubies and, you know, all these minerals and, you know, they were a wealthy nation. And uh, this is what God is saying to these people as, you know, they felt that their wealth would actually protect them, but it didn't. The enemy just came in and um, destroyed the city and got their gold and silver and everything else that they precious that they held dear and they had accumulated and it destroyed the city. Many can't solve the world's problems today. If we tend to think, oh, hey, I will work hard and I will get a good job and I will get a fat salary and it's going to sort out all my problems. There's a saying that goes, the more money you come across, the more problems you will have. Because now you come across a lot of money um, and you have a lot of money, you have a lot of possessions, precious possessions. Uh, there's people around who actually want to, who will kill to act for, those, for, for that wealth and possessions that you actually have. Who will be after you? So now you have to hire protection. Now you have to do all these things. And, you know, money doesn't solve uh, the problems of the world today. Scripture goes on to read verse 20. says, as for the beauty of his ornaments, he set it in majesty, but they made from it the images of their abominations. Their detestable things, therefore, I have made it like refuse to them. I will give it as plunder into the hands of this of strangers and to the wicked of the earth as spoil and they shall defile it i will turn my face from them and they will defile my secret place for robbers shall enter it and defile it so here you know you can't depend on wealth and money and we need to you know we need god in our lives and here god is telling these people you know all that money you've accumulated and all, um, all the wealth and all the, um, he says, as for the beauty of his ornaments, you know, all the ornaments that they actually accumulated, that wealth, that gold, silver, they made idols and worshipped that. And this is what God is saying, as in, uh, those idols won't take you anywhere because you made them, you turned from the creator and decided to start worshipping your money and your idols, your gold and your silver. But I will defile that like your enemies, strangers, it will go in the hands of strangers and, you know, they, they, they will rob it from you because, you know, you will know that I am God and I will judge you. So verse 23 goes on to read, <clears throat> make a chain for the land is filled with crimes of blood and the city is full of violence. So, and this is a picture today, you know, just, you know, you, we can't walk it the streets when it's just dark because you just never know what's lurking in the corner but, you know like nowadays you can't even be afraid of a wild animal you're f more afraid we're more afraid of of our fellow um, um our fellow brothers and sisters this is why like you find like um like here we have uh people fencing their homes like they make brick wall fences that are really really high you cannot even see the roof of the house of what's inside behind that wall because no, we're not trying to fence off wild animals and snakes and raccoons and rabbits and, you know, just all the wild animals. We are fencing ourselves from men out there because, you know, there's just so much crime and wickedness and evil out there. You know, nowadays, I remember back in the day when we were uh, younger, we used to play like we would go to the neighbors and just roam around like and and keep to the walkways and, you know, um... And, um, you know, we just play around the neighborhood and it was just safe and, uh, and there was nothing for our parents to worry about. Nowadays, it's just, you know, you can't trust anybody. You know, like your kids, you can't let your kids go out too far away from your sight and play outside. So kids tend to play indoors nowadays because you just can't trust anybody. You can't trust the person walking by the street. You can't trust, you know, your neighbor. We can't trust anybody. And this is the sad situation today. Uh, verse 24 goes on to read, Therefore I will bring the worst of the Gentiles and they will possess their houses. I will cause the pomp of the strong to cease and their holy places shall be defiled. So God permitted a pagan nation, that's Babylon, to destroy his people. And today we can't hide behind, you know, um, our lukewarm persona and, you know, you know, where we're just like nice people. We can't hide behind that. We have to choose. We have to choose to either be for God or not. Because God can only bless a nation that is law-abiding, that is obedient to him. 
we tend to wonder what is happening to our nation today and all because the people are not law-abiding it starts from the leadership leadership is not law-abiding leadership is corrupt leadership is just um rotten to the core they're not law-abiding and they, they they just you know play this lukewarm persona and you know play church like sundays they go to church they declare you know, national days of prayer and, you know, things like that. They just look warm and they expect like a blessing from God. It doesn't work like that. So I'll just quickly read through the rest of the scriptures. So verse 25 says, destruction comes, they will seek peace, but there shall be none. There will be no peace. Uh, Disaster will come upon disaster and rumor will be upon rumor. Then they will seek a vision from a prophet that's the picture today. A lot of people tend to run to prophets who, and the prophets tell them what they want to hear. Oh, hey, I see in your future you're going to be wealthy. You're going to get a good job and, you know, good pay. And, you know, that's just the order of the day today. But the law will perish from the priests and the council from the elders. So, you know, um, you know, our elders won't have good counsel. And this is just what's happening today. You know, like... Um, you were supposed to seek counsel from our elders, but it's just hard to even get good advice from people anymore. So the king will mourn, the prince will be clothed with desolation, and the hands of the common people will tremble. I will do to them according to their way. So the crime will fit the punishment. So it's the punishment, I mean, will fit the crime. And according to what they deserve. So God, God is just and fair. And God felt that's what they deserved. The type of punishment he gave them, that's what they deserved. And that's the only way they were going to actually turn to him and listen. Did they listen? And according to what they deserve, I will judge them. Then they shall know that I am the Lord. So now we move on to chapter 8. And here we have a new section and we have God's glory appearing again. And the complete captivity of Jerusalem and Israel and now becoming a historical fact because this actually happened so it's it happened and it's, it's now a historical fact and then they will and then we'll see the departure of the glory from the temple so we have another vision of the glory in this particular chapter and the vision transports Ezekiel to Jerusalem and God's glory appears in the temple at Jerusalem so verse 1 of chapter 8 reads and it came to pass in the sixth year of the sixth month on the fifth day of the month as I sat in my house with the elders of Judah sitting before me that the hand of the Lord fell upon me there so he was sitting with the elders so Ezekiel is just sitting there amongst the elders and this man is caught up um the hand of God um the hand of God he felt the hand of God um before him so verse 2 goes on to read um then I looked and there was a likeness like the appearance of fire from the appearance of his waist and downwards fire and from his waist and upwards like the appearance of brightness like the color of amber so here you know part of this vision um is what we saw in um chapter one of ezekiel when we when he had his first vision which was a vision of the glory of god and that is the basis of every vision in this particular book and the basis of um the book of revelations actually so scripture goes on to read verse three he stretched out the form of a hand remember god is a spirit and took me by a lock of my hair ezekiel did shave his hair but now um you know years had actually gone by and um you know he had shaved his he, himself he had shaved his head and his his beard and you know a year had gone and so he had grown this out and the spirit lifted me up between earth and heaven and brought me in a vision in visions of god to jerusalem to the door of the north gate of the inner court where the seat of the image of jealousy was which provokes to jealousy and behold the glory of god of israel was there like the vision that i saw in the plain so here ezekiel had you know um had a vision right so the glory the visible presence of god was there and it's um you know gone to as and, and and ezekiel has actually um seen it that um you know 
you know, like God is merciful and God was ready to actually save these people, you know, according to the vision that um, Ezekiel had seen, but they had turned from him. And God is love, you know, God is merciful, God is love. Um, he is righteous and just and he can't permit evil um, or what um, is contrary to, um, you know, to him because God is pure, he's holy and he can't permit anything that's contrary to him. So, um, <clears throat> you know, he can't save us by our righteousness because we're far, far from it. And he can't save us by perfection because we can't actually present it to him because we just can't attain that perfection and righteousness. And, he, um, you know, he can't accept anything that is less than that. So God provided a redemption for us and man must come that way. Man has, you know, an old nature. That's rebellious and that's in rebellion against God and God won't permit <clears throat> this in his universe. So here, you know, we tend to, we see a glorious God. We see a righteous God. We see a just God and God who was willing to say to, you know, to save his people. And all he wanted to do was he, all he wanted from them is for them to turn to him. But they didn't. They kept on rejecting God and they were in rebellion against God and God in turn judge them and punish them and um <clears throat> here now ezekiel has been transported to jerusalem in the presence of god he is seeing you know the, he's in the presence of god the glory of god and it's 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 um and um he's now in jerusalem and and um he sees that god is merciful like the the glory of god was always there um you know around these people the, the mercy of God was always there around these people, but, you know, they turned against him, which is the sad situation today. Like we are a nation, we are a country, we are a universe who have rejected God, who are in rebellion against God, but because by nature, we're just like that. And God has provided a way for us because we can't attain, we can't reach that level of righteousness and perfection that God actually seeks from us. And he has made, he has provided a way, a redemption through his son, Jesus Christ, through the blood of Jesus Christ. If we go through the through Christ, God is going to accept us. And these people failed to actually do that. And this is what we're seeing today. So if we turn from our, you know, wicked ways today, our iniquities in our hearts, yes, we're human. And every day we stumble and fall. But if we get up and, you know, we go to God every day and, and, and seek his guidance and, um, you know, we go to him in faith, then God... Um, you know, accepts us because God is full of mercy. So yeah, this is today's teaching. Thank you all for listening and God bless and have a pleasant day. Bye-bye.